Awesome. Thanks so much. Join the band. We'll be back a little bit later. But you can take a seat, sit back, and, uh, and relax. This thing, this thing works better when it's on, hey? Boom. There we go. Hey, well, uh, as Sidney and, uh, and Riley said, thanks, mate. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. We're actually in part two um, of a three-part series we started last week. We're going to wrap up uh, next week called In Sync, not to be confused with the boy band N Sync. Um, and really, uh, the way we do things here at Beyond is we talk in series. So we'll take a big idea. Thanks, mate. We'll camp out on it for a number of weeks and hit it from a couple of different angles. And, uh, and with this series, our aim and our hope, we want to answer one question. Okay, one question we want to answer throughout the series, which is this. Um, how do we get in sync with God? Or maybe a better way to frame the question for you could be, um, how do I get in sync with God? You know, we, we all go through times in our lives when we feel uh, maybe disconnected or separated um, from God. And so how do you, how do we go about getting in sync with God? Uh, and last week, um, but I just want to say it again, uh, perhaps you're in the room tonight and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus uh, or you kind of got questions about the whole faith and spirituality thing and so you're just kind of dipping your toes in the water, you're trying to figure this whole thing out. Maybe a cute girl or a cute boy invited you along so you think, well, you know what, I'll come. Um, and this question you don't really care about. Like, how do I get in sync with God? Like, I don't want to have anything to do with God, like, let alone get in sync with Him. Um, and now I'm at this service where it's going to be talking all about that. What am I going to get out of it? And uh, I want to let you know that um, even if at this point in your life you don't want to get in sync with God, first of all, we're just so glad you're here. Um, we hope you have an awesome time. But last week we kind of said that this series can be for you too. Um, because even if you, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, chances are perhaps at some level you're spiritual. Um, and spirituality might mean a whole lot of different things to you. Maybe you would define this word God different than the way that we would define this word God. Uh, maybe for you, your definition of God is like just some kind of being beyond this world, um, some kind of supernatural sustaining life force, or maybe some kind of energy. Uh, maybe for you, you're not even really sure how to define this word God. You haven't kind of put language around it yet, but you just kind of believe that there's, there's something out there, and you're just not sure what it is. And, uh, and we said, you know, um, if that's you, um, if you're into that uh, category, um, and, and a kind of abstract and an impersonal idea of God is great when life is good. Okay, when life is going well and you have this kind of God is out there or there's this kind of meaning beyond this world, everything kind of flows really, really well. But the wheels fall off when a relationship breakup happens or when you lose a parent or when you get that diagnosis or someone kind of gets that diagnosis that you were hoping would not be the case and now all of a sudden there's a timeline and you've got to start to say your goodbyes. And you weren't expecting it and they weren't expecting it. And, and in those moments, it becomes really difficult to connect with a, on a personal level with an impersonal God. Because in those moments when life really hits you in the face, what you don't need is an impersonal abstract concept. What you need is a person. What you need is a personal God. And we said one of the challenging things, but also one of the great things about Christianity is that God actually became personal that Jesus actually wrote himself into history so that God could be known. And so maybe this series is for you, and if you're still sitting there, you're like, yeah, no, nah, look, I'm still not into it, then just file it away. And maybe at one point in time, uh, if you want to make this impersonal God or this God that you don't believe in personal, you'll have this message series to reference back to. Um, but for those of you who weren't here last week, let me catch you up. We looked at one big idea, and then we'll launch into what we're going to sort of talk about today. 
And the, the big idea we, we looked at is that in order to get in sync, we need to consider God's customized creation. In other words, if, if there's some disconnect, if there's something that's not quite um, right between us and God, um, so often what happens is we look to our left and we look to our right and, and we get on the internet and we look at what everyone else is doing. And how are other people getting in sync with God? And then maybe you've tried some prayer, or you've tried reading your Bible, you've tried some of the things that other people have spoken about, but it just didn't work for you. And, and in, in fact, uh, in, in an attempt to get more in sync, you felt more out of sync. And we said last week, if you want to get in sync with God, you need to realize that God has created each and every single person unique. And so to kind of get you thinking around this, this way that God has created you, this unique way that we believe God has created you, we gave you a little bit of homework. Um, and don't worry if you didn't do the homework, that's okay. Um, I'll catch you up to speed. But if you'd like to do what I'm about to tell you, you can jump onto our Facebook page and, uh, and follow the links there. But, but we kind of gave you two pieces of homework. We said, hey, we want you to do a personality test. And we want you to call, uh, do what's called a spiritual pathways test. Um, we're going to talk about the personality test a whole lot tonight. Next week in part three, we're going to look at this kind of pathway um, uh, test that we, we kind of had you do. And really this whole pathway concept is um, maybe you connect better or maybe you feel like there's some kind of transcendence or something more beyond this world better in nature. Maybe for you, you experience it more when you're, you're face to face and you're having conversations about life with people. Maybe for you, it's when you're praying or when you're kind of meditating or when you're alone. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's when you're actually serving, when you're contributing and giving back to society. And so we're going to look at like how uh, the way that God has created you can actually help you better connect with God next week. But this week, we're going to actually look at this whole idea of how God has created your personality can help you get in sync with God. And just in case something I say offends you, or just in case you have to leave really, really early to watch uh, Married at First Sight, the dinner party. No, it's the commitment ceremony tonight, not the dinner party. Come on, Chris, that was rookie. I want to let you know the big idea uh, so that you can sneak out early and know exactly what we're going to talk about. So the big idea is this. In order to connect with God, we need to discover our connection errors and deal with what is preventing the connection. You ever have one of those moments in life where you, you, maybe you're trying to connect to the internet or connect to Netflix and, and you kind of get this like connection error and then it's like got a million, let, uh, million numbers after it? And you're sitting there and you're like kind of Googling frantically and just by the sheer volume of numbers you feel like you need like a degree in computer science to figure out what the connection error is? Well, sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, it can feel like we've got this connection error. Like something just isn't working and it's, and it's trying as hard as we can, we just can't discover it. And if we can't discover it, then we can't deal with it. And so tonight, what we, what we want to do is, first we want to use that kind of personality test to help us discover this connection. And then I'm going to give you one really practical um, way to deal with what is kind of preventing that connection. So the personality test we asked you to do um, last week was this, um, there's a whole heap of different personality tests out there, and they're all kind of around the same sort of thing, but we asked you to do what's called an Enneagram uh, personality test. And so there's nine different types on the Enneagram personality. And uh, what's, what's interesting and what's unique about the Enneagram is it, it doesn't um, typecast people based on their behaviors. Uh, instead, what it tries to do is show some of the motivating factors and some of the things that drive people's behaviors. In other words, why is it that you like things always organized? Why is it that you feel like there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything? Why is it that you're never on time? 
And it looks and it kind of scratches below the surface and says, hey, why is it that we behave the way that we do? And um, on top of that, it sort of says, hey, there's one, usually one, there's lots of connection errors, but there's one kind of main connection error with every sort of personality type uh, on the Enneagram that you need to be aware of and you kind of need to think through. Um, and I'm going to go through them really, really quickly tonight. I had to kind of pop them all down because they're nine and that's, that's a big number, um, so I might forget. But um, if you want to explore this further, if you want to have conversations about this further, Tuesday night at 6 p.m. on Instagram and Facebook, we're going to go live and for like 15, 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about some of the, the Enneagram stuff and some of the personality stuff. But here is your super, super quick guide to the connection areas that your type may experience on the Enneagram. So connection areas. Type 8 uh, is called the challenger. So if you're, if you're a type 8, you're the challenger and the, the, um, the big connection error with the challenger in relationships is lust. Now don't think sexual lust. Think lust in the sense of like an intensity for life, an intensity for control, a desire to have everything their way and they're just this absolutely huge presence. Um, you'll know an 8 chances are if you know this person and every single time you hang out with them it's like they've just smashed a six pack of Red Bull. Like these people have more energy than anyone else on the Enneagram. Um, when things are going well and they've got their lust in control, these people can make an incredible, incredible impact in the world. Right? Think Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, but these people when they, when they don't address their connection error, when it gets really out of control, um, they can have a devastating impact in the world. Right? Think, uh, think Joseph Stalin um, is probably a type 8. The next one, uh, type 9, is the peacemaker. Uh, and the peacemaker yeah, it wants everything to be alright. And their, um, their big connection error is this idea of sloth. Um, now, this is not like lying on the couch with like the peppermint choc chip ice cream like drooling all over you while you're watching like the latest episode, like the latest season of Dirty John on Netflix. This is not that. Um, instead, the sloth, um, in an attempt to make everyone happy, in an attempt to appease everyone, what they actually do is they begin to live their life vicariously through everyone else. And because they live their life vicariously through everyone else, the sad thing that happens is they actually never get to discover their purpose. They never actually get to discover God's purpose for them because they're always living it out in, in uh, trying to keep everyone else happy. So that's, um, that's type nine. Type one, you guys are the perfectionists, okay? You guys are the ones who got angry that I started with type eight instead of one. It bugged you so much that I started, why is he starting with eight? He should have started with one, start at the beginning. Um, so type one, the perfectionist, um, these are the kind of people that they tell you there is a right way and a wrong way to pack a dishwasher. Right, there is no middle ground. When you open it up, it's like, well, that was wrong. Um, and th their big connection error is anger. Um, although if you're a type one, chances are it probably doesn't feel like anger to you. It probably feels more like resentment. Um, you see a difference in the world, you want to make a difference in the world, and so you get so passionate about it, you care so much about it, but then you look around and you realize no one else is helping you. And you're doing it the right way, so they should be helping you, they should get on board, but then you start to see, well, they're not helping, so now I've got to pick up the slack, I've got to do everything that they're not doing, and there's this resentment starts to build and starts to flow over into our relationships. Uh, type two, you are the helper, okay? The helper is like the most sensitive number on the Enneagram. Um, you are probably really, really in touch with your feelings if you're a helper. Helpers are some of the most selfless people in the world, which why this whole pride thing has come to so much of a shock. 
If someone was to knew, know you and they knew you were a two, pride would not be the first thing that comes to mind for them. Uh, but the reason pride is such a big deal for the twos is because they don't like sitting still long enough to feel their own emotions. Twos like to help everyone else. And the reason twos like to help everyone else is because they don't want to deal with some of the things that are going on inside, but also because they don't, uh, they kind of get their validation through everyone needing them. You know, twos um, often have this catchphrase like, your life would be a mess without me in it. Or, what would you do without me? Like, twos kind of have this pride because they need you to need them. Um, type three, this is my type, okay? Um, just so you know, one of the main communicators has a connection error of lying. So, I don't know if that's a good omen um, in church world. Um, but threes, threes are the performers and they're not actually inclined to lie to other people. They're not actually inclined to lie to their friends. Threes are actually more inclined to lie to themselves. Okay, and they lie to themselves by telling, kind of telling um, stories to themselves because uh, they don't, can't lie to their friends and they can't lie to their families because their families can see through it. Threes are very, very image conscious and the twos are most in touch with their feelings and the threes are the most out of touch with their feelings. Uh, my wife is a two and I'm a three, so feel sorry for my wife because um, she's got all these feelings and I don't know what to do with them. Um, <laughs> so, well, that's the way that, that I see it anyway. And threes, your big challenge, your big challenge when you lie to yourself is you kind of put this image out and you tell yourself this story to keep this image out and if you're not careful as a three and you maintain this lifestyle, you will not know who you are over time. If someone asks you the question, who are you, you will start defining yourselves, yourself by what you do, not by who you are. And I guarantee you, if you're a three sitting in this room, your first thought is like, well, of course, I don't need to. I don't have any feelings. It's what I do that matters, okay? But just keep that in mind, threes. Type four, the romantic, okay? Type four, these are, some, these are the people that love. Um, often, um, if you're an artist or if you're a performer or if you're a musician or you're an author, um, type fours are overly represented in this category. Uh, your big connection error is envy, okay? Now, slightly different to jealousy, because jealousy is this idea that something will be taken from you. Envy is this idea for the fours that someone has what you don't. Because fours sort of have this idea that something is missing. They look out of the world and they see other people and they're like, they've got something and I'm missing it. And so fours will be envious and it'll come out like, oh, I wish I had your friends. Oh, I wish I had your childhood. Oh, I, I, I wish that my parents treated me the way that you treated. I wish my work situation was the same as yours. Fours are, are so envious because they feel like they're missing out on everything. Last, last, five, um, last three, rather, type five is the investigator. Um, type five, um, biggest connection error is greed. Uh, now, not in, not in the sense of like hoarding, but fives are some of the most calculated people you will know. And, and fives, um, because they're so calculated, what they do is they measure up every single social interaction. Every conversation, every email, every lunch uh, appointment, every dinner appointment, every coffee date, and they go, is it worth my time? Is it worth my time? Because fives don't want to feel like they're losing out on time they could spend for themselves. And so fives um, are, are so concerned about keeping their energy and keeping what they have that often they actually don't uh, experience new relationships because they're always looking at, well, what would I lose? And that's going to that's gonna take up some of my energy and I want to keep all my energy to myself and, and stay on top of myself. So that's fives. Um, six is you guys are the loyalists and what drives you is fear. 
Um, sixes are the most likely of your friends to have a doomsday bunker built. Right, because they are just anticipating the worst, they're expecting the worst in every single situation. And this begins to be a really, really difficult challenge if you want to be friends, if you want to date, or if you want to marry a six. Because you're talking about marriage and the six is thinking to themselves, well, they're probably going to break up with me next week. Like, it is really hard to sort of build trust because the six has this fear of this worst case scenario fear. And the last type, type seven, is the enthusiast. And their big one is gluttony. Now, not in the sense of like eating a whole heap of food. Like if I could, if I could take this kind of like old timey word and translate it into our modern vernacular, uh, the, the biggest um, connection error for the seven would be FOMO. Okay, sevens have this fear of missing out on everything. They, they want to binge watch every single new Netflix season. They want to go uh, with their six different friends who are going to seven different beaches that day. They want to go on all the coffee shops, all the lunch dates, and they want to do it in one day. Okay, because if they don't, they might miss out on something and they're afraid. Um, sevens, you are the type of people who, if you're working on a project at work or you're doing an assignment at uni, uh, you very rarely finish them because you don't like feeling like things are over. So you just jump onto the next one and you just like keep straight on charging because you don't like to experience that something is over. So sevens have this fear um, or this idea that they're gonna miss out. So um, that's kind of a, a, I think it's important for us to sort of know if we're gonna deal with our big connection errors, at least kind of get, get an idea where you might place yourself on these. And, uh, and personality tests are fun to a point. Um, I probably nerd out on them a lot. Like I just love personality tests and looking at all the different ones. But, but here's what I find one of the big problems is when it comes to this idea of looking at our personality, when it comes to knowing what our connection errors are, is that over time what, what tends to happen is this thing. We define ourselves by our connection errors rather than deal with our connection errors. You ever met someone like that? Well, well I'm just angry, okay? That's part of my personality. Right? I just like things a certain way, that's part of my personality. I'm just always trying to be helpful, that's just part of my personality. And really what that, what that does is we kind of go, well, I am just the helper, so I've got to. I am the peacemaker, this is what I've got to do. I am the performer, I am the challenger. Like, and we define ourselves by our connection errors rather than actually deal with them, rather than actually grow. And it's when we deal with our connection errors that we actually take a step to getting in sync with God. And there was a church um, right when the Jesus movement began, actually, it, it wasn't a single church, it was a collection of churches, probably about three to four churches, actually, in this region called Galatia, um, which is in modern-day Turkey, for those um, playing along at home. Um, but it's in modern-day Turkey, and, uh, and this guy called Paul, who was this incredibly influential person in the early Jesus movement, um, had visited these churches, had heard about some things that were going on, and, uh, and then when he left, he heard about some of the problems they were having dealing um, and defining themselves by their connection errors and refusing to deal with them. And in this part of this letter that we have of Paul's that we're going to look at in a second, uh, Paul tells us how to, um, how to actually deal with these connection errors. And so this is what Paul writes to this church in Galatia about 2,000 years ago. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature. Now, we should talk about this idea here, like what is sinful nature? Because maybe if you're new to church, you've heard this word like used and abused and you don't really even know what it is apart from that it's supposed to be a bad thing, right? Like 
Well, what Paul says here when he means sinful nature, he means that, you know when you're having that argument with someone, it starts to get really heated, and there's that voice in your head that says like, don't say it, 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 and then all of a sudden you're just like, bam, and you say it anyway. And as the words like come out of your mouth, you're like, no, you're trying to like catch them back in. That's what that thing that, that you don't know how, why those words came out, you don't know how they stepped out, it's that kind of feeling where you sit back and you look at yourself one day and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I, should, I should really be nicer to that person who's annoying me at work. And you tell yourself you're going to do it and you're sort of like, this is, this is the way it's going to go. I'm, gonna, I'm starting a new leaf, okay? New day, new me. And you walk into work and as soon as they ask you an annoying question, you're like, oh, come on, Sharon. Like, seriously. How many times have we been over this? That is what Paul would say is your sinful nature. It's that part that kind of is within inside of us that causes us to miss the mark, that causes us to, to bring connection errors into our relationships no matter how hard we try. And so Paul's kind of writing to this church in Galatia and he says, okay, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he says this because he's been in Galatia. He's seen the Galatians. He's hung out with them. He's, he's got friends there. And he goes, the reason he says the results are very clear is because Paul is about to tell us what he has seen when the Galatians allow their connection errors and allow their sinful nature to kind of drive their decisions. And there's quite a list. This is what he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Now, for those of you who are maybe new to church, you're like, oh man, Christians always just bang on about the sex. Like, sex is bad, don't have sex, or you'll get chlamydia and you'll die. But the reason that Paul kind of brings this out and the reason it's such a big deal to him is because a lot of the people who were sitting in the Galatian church a couple of months ago weren't. A couple of months ago had no idea who Jesus was. And a couple of months ago, they would have been involved in pagan religious worship services where sex was the centerpiece of the service, where there were temple prostitutes at their, at their temples. And so you've got a husband and a wife and the husband and the wife, go, they have a fight and they go, well, I'm just going to go to the temple for a little bit, if you know what I mean. And so Paul says, hey, if you go back to that old way of living, I've seen what happens. It's not good for your relationships. It's not healthy for your marriages. It's not good for anyone. So he points back to this and then he goes on. Um, you thought some of your friends were wild. This is what the Galatians are. Uh, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, okay, this, what, wild parties, what Paul means here is like orgies, okay, drunken orgies, that's what he means, and other sins like these. So this is the kind of people that Paul was writing to. This is the kind of people that Paul was saying is, hey, if you let your connection errors get out of control, this is what happens, not because this is a list of things you shouldn't do, but because I've seen it firsthand. And then he says this, he says, let me tell you again, let me remind you, as I have before, because Paul's trying to bring their mind back to, hey, re remember when I was with you? Remember when we hung out and we spent time together and we talked about this, this Jesus guy and we kind of, I tried to help you make sense of him? It wasn't about a whole heap of rules, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't about earning your way to heaven, was it? No, it, it was about something bigger than that. It was about orientating your life and living your life in such a way that you followed and you followed this guy called Jesus in his teachings 
and the way he interacted with other people and that you followed what he said when it came to relationships. That you address your connection areas. He says, um, let me remind you that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because what he's trying to get them to remember is, hey, remember when I was there and you sort of said, well, can I have one foot in the Jesus camp and one foot out? Paul's like, no, no. Because there's going to come a point, if you have one foot in the Jesus camp and one foot out, where you are going to come into conflict. Because you're going to want to do, uh, or maybe you're going to want to do something uh, uh, and follow what Jesus teaches, or you're going to follow what you want to do. He says there will come a point where what you want to do and what Jesus wants you to do come into conflict. And so you either got to go all in, or you got to go all out. Because when you go half in, half out, that's when problems and then he kind of shows them what he means to kind of paint this picture in a less legalistic sense. And he uses this kind of analogy of fruit. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And then he lists the, the, the fruit that if you're um, kind of connected to God should be present in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the reason that, that Paul kind of takes this analogy, the reason Paul starts playing around with this concept or this idea of fruit is because he wants the Galatians to see, just like he wants you and he wants me to see, is that the fruit is a byproduct of the root. Right? We, we often go um, through our lives and we look at our personalities and, and what we focus and what we pay attention to is what's up here. We pay attention to, well, I'm angry, or I'm tired, or, or you know, if you knew, if you knew the, the stress that I'm under at work, and we look up here at the fruit. And Paul says, no, 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 no. If, if you want to deal with your connection areas, if you want to deal with some of those issues that are, that are really challenging you in life, what you need to do is you need to get past the surface, and you need to start dealing with the root. Because here's the thing, if you allow some of those connection areas to define you, if you just say to yourself, oh, I'm just angry. Oh, well, you know, I've, I've just got that whole idea of fear. You know, I've just got this idea that, you know, this whole lying thing. Eventually what happens is, is that you start to allow that thinking to creep down into your roots. And when it starts to creep down into your roots, over time, it starts to come back up through the fruit of your life. And it comes up in the way you interact with people, the way you think about relationships, the way you think about work, the way you engage with people who share different views and values for you. And if, if we were to leave this here and we were to give it some time, eventually that redness would start coming through the leaves. Why? Because the fruit is simply a byproduct of the root. And there's a way for us to deal with the root cause. There is a way for us to, to ensure that we actually ensure that the byproduct we get, what is going on in our root systems underneath the surface in our lives, actually produces the kind of fruit that you want and that I want within our lives. Uh, we have this thing here at Beyond, it's called a Four Monday, which is pretty much the application of, um, of everything that we've been talking about. Oh, there we go. Um, and the application for this week, the Four Monday for this week, is simply this. I want you to uproot what disconnects you from God. In other words, what is, what is that connection error or what is that thing? And, and if you haven't done the Enneagram, take some time to do it. And I want you to start to peer below the surface. I want you to take some time to go down below the surface and I want you to begin to deal 
with what is at the root and uproot what disconnects you from God. Because here's what I would love for you. Because we often have this idea, right, in in our culture and in our world that, hey, what I actually want and and the way that I need to go about um, uprooting is a little bit of self-improvement. Right, if I can just improve myself a little bit, if I can just make, make myself a little bit better, that will take care of this connection error, right? The problem is, the roots are already contaminated. The problem is, no matter how we try, no matter how much we try and improve, the root system is still in trouble. And if we can just be honest for a minute, right? If you've ever experienced maybe a fractured relationship with your parents, and you desperately want a relationship. If you've ever wanted to amend a relationship with your mom or your dad, if you're really, really honest with yourself, you don't want it to get just a little bit better. You want it to be transformed. You want it to be what you wanted it to be the whole time. You want it to go back to a place where it was never fractured to begin with. If you've you've ever struggled with anxiety or depression or other mental health issues, when you're going through those that uh, when you're experiencing that anxiety when you're experiencing that impression depression no one says i wish it would just improve one percent if someone came along and said what would you like you would take transformation every single day of the week you would say i wish that i could get rid of this i wish that my life didn't involve this in it anymore for those of you that who are maybe addicted to pornography or maybe for you it's you go from relationship to relationship to relationship just to validate your self-worth what you want is it's not just a little improvement. What you want is a complete transformation. What you want is to, to not ever be tempted when you're home alone to open up that laptop. What you want is that when someone slides into your DMs or when someone likes one of your Instagram posts, what you want is not to feel like that makes you a better person because someone else liked your post. But the only way that you can do that is to actually completely uproot, to completely uproot and change, whoop, there we go, this works so much better when I practice it, there we go, (coughs) and to change where you're rooted in, because when you chase the root, you end up with fruit. When you go after what's below the surface and you uproot it and you move it to a different place, all of a sudden it's in a healthier environment now. And yes, there are some scars, and yes, it still looks red, but eventually, over time, what it's rooted in, being rooted in Jesus, will come up through the root systems, and if you chase the roots, you will end up with fruit. Man, I've got to get rid of that. And here's here's the problem, right? Because as we wrap up for the night, I know that it's nice to say these sort of things. And it's nice to say, you know, have pithy things, sayings like when you chase the root, you end up with fruit, okay? Deal with, what, deal with what, uh, what's at the, uh, at the bottom. Deal with the connection areas. Here's the problem, right? Dealing with your stuff sucks, right? It is not fun. And that is why so few people ever get below the surface and deal with what's going on at the root. So many people stay up here. And, and I don't want that for you. If you're in this room tonight, I do not want you to merely be satisfied with the fruit. I want you to go deeper. And so if you're a Christian tonight, this is, this is super important for you, as, for you. Because if you limit the access you give God, you will limit your impact for God. 
There, there are so many Christians I talk to and so many people that are like, hey, I just, I just want to feel connected to God. I just want to like, get in sync with God. I just want God to use me. And if you're not a church person, like, those are like weird phrases for you. Like, what is he on about? But if you're a Christian, you've heard those phrases or you've used those phrases. And the truth is, God's doing the best he can with 20% of you. God's doing the best he can with the 30% you give him. God would, God would open up your impact more if you gave him all of you. But it's really easy to give God stuff, to God the clean stuff and the nice stuff and the stuff that doesn't require us to change anything about ourselves. But if you limit the access you give God, ultimately it's you that loses. Because you limit the impact for God that you can have. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, don't worry, I thought of you as well. Here's a reason I think even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you should uproot what disconnects you from God. And here's the reason why. Until we get real with ourselves, we can never get real with God and others. Okay, if I can just like jump on my soapbox for like 30 seconds and then I'll be done. You ever see those people on Instagram? They annoy me so much, okay? Like they're on Instagram or they're on Facebook and they're like, if he can't handle me at my worst, he doesn't deserve me at my best. (laughs) Have you ever just thought you're a jerk? Like you ever just considered that? Have you ever considered that in all the relationships that break up, Maybe it's your problem. Maybe there's something going on with you. And so often we just get to this point where we're like, well, it would never be my fault. It would never, no, it's not my issue. It's not my problem. It's always theirs problem. And what's what's really going on is we just don't want to get real with ourselves. Because if we got real with ourselves, we'd have to start going down and dealing with some of the root systems. And that wouldn't be fun. It's so much easier to point the finger at other people and blame them and it's her fault and it's his fault and it's, their fault that they, they said that and they did that and if that never happened, if mum and dad never did that I would never have these problems but it's not until we get real with ourselves that we can actually get real with God and we can actually begin to get real with the people that we have relationships with so this week use that starting off point discover your connection error chase the root uproot it and you will see over time some of the fruit. Let's pray. Jesus, it is um, really uncomfortable sometimes to, uh, to look at our connection errors because uh, life is just so much easier um, when we can fix other people's problems and worry about other people's problems but not worry about our own. Because it's messy. And maybe for some people in this room, what, what they're pushing back against and, and the reason they don't want to go into their, uh, to deal with what it's, is at the root is because they know what they've pushed down there. Uh, they know what, uh, what they uh, have pushed down there that they try to hide, that they hope no one ever finds. But the good news, the good news is that you entered into history. Lord, that, that while we still try and hide stuff from you, you know it anyway. And you love us the same. And you're calling us and you're saying, hey, just, just get real with yourself because the sooner you do that, the sooner we can both be on the same page because you're not fooling anyone. And so I pray that people this week would take that uncomfortable step to deal, to do what so few people do, to deal with what's at the root, to uproot it and experience the fruit that comes from that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.